PGA Nation. We are back. Fresh year. Things are changing. We're shaking things up. The field, not just for this week, but in general, looks a little different. A lot of big names that live. Um, some new up-and-coming golfers. Some of the younger guys are now mainstays. Um, it's an exciting season for PGA. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Tonight, we are going to break down the century with you all. We are heading to Hawaii, which was going to be a birdie fest, but we got all of the, not all, but a lot of the big names joining the tournament with us, including drafting with us tonight. Uh, see ya while in the chat, giving out maybe hopefully some of his picks as well. Couldn't make it for the draft tonight, but we do have Spencer and David as always. Happy New Year, fellas. Spencer, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. I'm excited to be back with you guys to do this show. I, I think it's going to be an interesting start of the year with the changes that are going to come into place with you look this week, it's a 59 man field, limited field contest, no cut event changes. Some of the game theory answers from both DFS and betting. I think those are things that uh, people that can take advantage of that better than others will be the ones that reap the benefits from it. So We'll talk some of that game theory that that is going to naturally come into play on this show, and uh, I think it should be a fun year. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Spence. David, happy new year. How are you doing tonight? Merry new year. Happy Christmas. Um, good to be back with you all. Um, we just had we had such a fun time on the, the season-long fantasy draft, so that's up on the Wind Daily Sports um, YouTube channel. Go check that out. That was a lot of fun, and... Yeah, I, I said in my preview article this week, which you can find over on the, the Wind Daily Sports website, so I'm so glad that they changed the name from Century Tournament of Champions because it's the second year in a row now that we've had the defending champion not here. Like, John Rahm obviously won this in 2023, and then the year before this, Cameron Smith won this in 2022 at, like, an outrageous score of, of 34 under, and both times they haven't been back to defend their title. So, you know, the, the fact is that there's still a tournament this week, there's still a field, there's still some really great players in this field, particularly, and um, there's still going to be DFS contests. And when you end up in situations like that, where some of those top guys aren't on the board, it actually op opens up opportunities for uh, some of the sharper players where you can find value um, on the, the DFS board. So I'm excited, you know, there's time to um, build some lineups and, and make some money. I love it. I love it. It's a fun week. It's a no-cut event, a little bit different, but for those following along, what that means is, you don't got to, you know, getting six guys that make the cut in a regular week is critical. And, like, you really have to factor in your last pick because you need to make sure you get six through to be competitive. This week, I think because of these no-cut events, it means you can be a little bit more uh, stars and scrubs heavy, maybe rely on some of the guys at the bottom a little bit more than you normally would because you know they're guaranteed four days and they're going to get you those points either way. Um this is generally an easy course, right? So we're, we should see some pretty low scores. Uh, take that into account as you will based on who you want to take for your team and how you pick guys. But the pricing is interesting. You know, obviously the studs at the top are priced up, but you should be able to build the way you want. There's plenty of value, in my opinion, to be found. So to give everyone a refresher of how the, of how the show works, we're going to draft teams tonight. We're going to draft four teams. The audience, you will be drafting your own team. And because it's the new year and – the audience is the engine that makes this show go. Audience, we decided to give you the first pick tonight. So, audience, you'll be going first. 
Um, I'm not sure. Did we put the full order in or we just sent on the audience first? Unconfirmed. I, I think that I think that if we as a as a Christmas present, let's throw it out the audience. First person reply to pick the draft order and we'll go with that. Wow, I like that. I like that. First person, you know what? Just put the order you want in the chat. The first order we see in the chat is the order it's going to be. So go ahead and drop that in there. That's what we'll do for the draft tonight. And while we wait for that to come through, I will give a reminder. This works like your typical fantasy football draft. It's a snake draft, one through four, and the fourth pick goes twice and we come back. The caveat is you do need to stay within your draft king's salary. So you can't just take all the best guys. You need to take into account that you have to be able to afford your lineup, which means some of the value picks can go sooner because getting your top value guy can be very valuable in a four-man draft like this, knowing you have to be um, within the salary cap. Zach, appreciate you as always. One of the MVPs of the chat every week. Went in, did not put the audience first. He put me first, audience second, Spencer, um, and then David fourth. So, interesting twist we usually like the audience to have the two in a row but i'm down to try this if you guys are what a what a rig start to the season <laughs> uh I, I i like it i enjoy it. i like what we did there i think i wasn't planning on taking shuffler first but if i'm gonna have the first pick i probably will just take shuffler here and figure can, out the rest can, can, can i ask you a question yes would you like to trade wow I will give you – you give me the first overall pick. Okay. I will give you, I guess, my the 103, and I will give you the uh, 202 there, and then just give me your six-round picks. So I'll, I'll trade uh, – so I'll, I'll get two six-round picks from it. So I'll be going second and third. Uh, you'll have – you will have the third pick, and then you will have oh, – no, you'll have two second-round picks. Got it. Okay. Interesting. I'm going to deny that trade request. I'm going to stick with what I have with the first picks. David, if you want to pull the draft board up, we can dive right in. Um, after the draft tonight, we will run through our first round leader bets, as always, before we wrap up tonight. Um, before we start the draft, we wait for the draft board to go up. Spence, give us the breakdown of what you're looking for this week in Hawaii. I think it's an interesting tournament. Like it was designed in 1991 by Ben Crenshaw and Bill Corr. When we look at Kapalua, the plantation course, there were minor restorations that have been provided over the property the past 33 years. They haven't really done much to increase the challenge. When we look directly at the scoring rates, you don't have to look any further than 69 of 76 players finishing at 10 under par or better over the last two years. I think really the true defense of this property ends up being the wind. You have these slow Bermuda green complexes and open fairways that are going to be pronounced from the second that you step onto the grounds. 12% increase in driving accuracy, eight yard dis, uh, increase in distance. That distance answer has a little bit to do with the collection areas of the slope where all the balls land in the same spot. You also have the elevation changes that come into play, but those two factors help to ship, shift the GIR rate from 65 to 79%. I think when you hear those answers of it being easy to hit fairways, the distance, the massive green and regulation rates, a tournament that gets to 30 under par sometimes for who ends up winning, you think of it a contest that really has no bite to it. But I will say that Kapalua probably does possess a little bit more than meets the eye when you look at scrambling around the green prowess, three putt avoidance and most birdie shootouts. 
Uh, for me, it was one of the main reasons why my model found why a non-American has won this event 11 times since 2002. And it was a venue that accentuated particular factors that correlated well with scrambling. When you look at the heightened increase that does take place from under 100 yards and over 200 yards. So uh, birdie fest, yes, but I think there's a little bit more to it than just that answer. Fair enough. I do agree with you, especially that there is a certain type of golfer that I think will have the most success here. And so there's almost got, there's a little bit of a formula more than most weeks of how you really want to narrow down your player pool. As always, I want to stick to when building lineups, especially this week, make sure you stick within your player pool, right? If your player pool that you want to play is 15 guys, 20 guys, build all your lineups within those 15, 20 guys. Don't build a lineup really like it and just play anyone in the last spot because that's all you could afford and then have that guy ruin your lineup. So make sure you build your player pool first. You like those guys and, and work off of that. Um, without further ado, I think we can get dive right into the draft. I know the draft board looks a little weird right now, but I'm sure we can get that a little bit adjusted as we dive in. My first pick's easy. I already, basically already told you who I'm going to take. Um, before I take them, Spencer, is that who you would have taken if I accepted your trade? What if I give you my first three picks for your first pick, <laughs> your fifth round pick, and your sixth round pick? I mean, that's the, that's the best I can give with actually constructing a team. Are you looking for Scotty Scheffler? Hmm. Hmm. No dice. I'd say Scotty Scheffler's off the board and Joel, you, you draft him because, uh, the integrity of the show is at stake here. It's fair. It's fair. Listen, I, I wanted to get a deal done. I like the thought of making a trade. I think to David's point, logistically, we haven't worked through making a trade live on air yet. So for tonight, I'm going to turn it down. However, I will post a New Year's goal that we get a live trade done this season before the end of the year wraps up. So tonight, I am going to deny. I'm going to draft Scotty Shuffler first overall. I mean – I don't need how, – how do I know to explain to you that Scotty Scheffler is good at golf? He's incredible. He's the best player. Um, 11K, listen, it's it's pricey. It, you got to pay for him. I think there's enough value out there where you can make it work. I'm not too worried about that. So I'm happy to go get the best player. I don't make the rest of my lineup work throughout the rest of the draft here. David, how about you? Where are you on Scotty this week? I, for the price that you're paying, oh, look, I mean, Scottish Sheffield is a, a stud. Can he go out and win this tournament? Of course. For me, this is, it's going to be, you're going to need to make putts, right? You are going to need to make putts. And you've got these huge greens. A lot of people are going to be finding the greens on a regular basis. And is Scottish Sheffield going to bring his putter? And I, that's, that's always the question mark, right? Like, I mean, obviously it was an outstanding 2023, but in some ways like an incredibly disappointing and frustrating 2023 for Scotty Sheffield because he had a season where he hit the ball better than every other golfer since Tiger Woods in 2006. And he only managed like two, three wins. So is that, that's a question mark for me on this kind of course where putter's going to be a big uptick for me in terms of what I would usually weight into my model. Um, Schiffler may be a fade at 11,000. Now you bring a good point. I want to ask you this question. Audience, you're on the clock. So get your nominations in. we got to get your pick. As we wait for your nominations, I wanted to ask you, how much do you discount? Listen, I mean, it's no secret. Scotty, ball striking last year was unbelievable. The putting, as you said, was a, a disaster. 
But Scotty hasn't historically always been a bad punter. He was bad last year. It was an issue last year. How much are you discounting as a new year? He had some time off. Do you think we see him reverting back to the norm of what we would see from Scotty Shuffler? Do you think he kind of prolongs what we saw from him last year? Like, how much of a reset button do you give people after kind of the winter break to say, you know, we don't want to look too much at recent form because recent form is now months ago? Or do you still look at how they've been playing based on the tournaments they played during the end of last year? See, I don't know if, if I don't know if Scotty Schiffler has always been a good putter. I mean, in 2020 and 2021, we all saw the talent that was Scotty Schiffler and we were frustrated that he couldn't putt. And then in 2022, for kind of a run of four months, he learned how to putt and he won five tournaments in like a quick succession. And then he's reverted back to his kind of usual baseline putter for me. So, I mean, that's that's where I'm kind of at and, and until I see evidence that he's he's changed. I mean, look, there's, there's absolutely going to be tournaments I'm going to play Scotty Scheffler, don't get me wrong. I just don't know if the tournament where I'm putting a big... I, like, I don't usually weight putting very highly because it's so volatile. In this tournament, I do just because of the scoring that's that's required, and and that's why I'm potentially looking elsewhere than Scotty Scheffler this week for me. That makes sense. I appreciate it. Well, the, the audience pick is in. Xander Shoffley, you know, consistent, great player. And, you know, I think guys like Xander... And then me just giving you guys a hot take here are going to be, I think, improved this season because of how much talent is left for Lib. I think that's going to elevate some of these guys in that like one B tier that you know maybe haven't won as much recently, but I think they're going to have a greater opportunity now. Spence, what say you on Xander? I, I like Xander this week. I, I think for me, more of where the problem comes into play of how much exposure I want to get to him is because I am going to find myself exponentially overweight compared to the field on Scotty Scheffler, probably also higher on Patrick Cantley when we're directly comparing. So it works into one of those things where my model has Xander as a top five option, but two of the names just so happen to be right around them with their price tag and you know the ownership in a 59-man field we have to be aware of with it. But um like Xander on the surface, he's been great on this course. Some of the off the tee woes that we see from him get alleviated a little bit just because of the wide open nature of the venue. Um, think he's fine on the surface of it, but it's kind of the prototypical answer that we talk about every single week on the show. Contest selection is going to matter. Um, where you pair him with in those contests will matter how much exposure you want to guys like Scotty Scheffler or Patrick Cantley, or if you do want to go to Xander, but I think it's hard to say anything overly negative about him. This has been a venue that he has found a lot of success in the past. There you have it. Gotta like Xander. I mean, any, any of these top six, five or six guys here, um, I think you'll, you'll be happy with, or, or will be a pretty good or safe pick in a draft like this. Spence with the third pick here, you're on the clock. Who are you looking at first? Well, I guess I will change the trajectory that I wanted here um, after you did not accept my trade, Joel. I mean, I was hoping that you might have a change of heart after David told you how bad the pick was, that you may all of a sudden want to make a trade, but it seems like you want to stand pat where you're at. So I'm going to allow you to do that. I will take Jordan Spieth at 8,800. I think for this being such an easy venue, there's a lot of comps and corollary trends that you can find to Augusta National here. Wide open nature, the ability to need to scramble around the greens, the three putt avoidance. No, we have soft Bermuda greens versus the very quick bent grass 
that you would get at Augusta. But I think for me, when Scotty has so much of the built-in win equity inside of my model that I would rather, if I cannot get Scotty to build this like totally differently than I was going to. So I don't want to give away all the strategy here with it, but like I'm going to be living in certain ranges and uh, with certain players. So I, I'm going to start here with Jordan Spieth. I, I do think he's underpriced at the total. And I think the ownership is also fine right now at about 12 and a half percent, which is subject to change over the next 24 hours. I like it. I think I think that's a good play. I really like the price there too. I think you have plenty of upside with someone who you're still getting below 9K. So leaves you plenty of flexibility to maybe get another star or two in your lineup. Um, so, And that's the beauty of the draft cast, right? Sometimes the value is finding the right price guy first. So you can be come back later and get one of the other stars that you might like. David, I want to get your opinion on Jordan Speed, And then you got two back-to-back picks on the draft. Um, I love Jordan Spieth. We officially have our first steal of the 2024 PGA Draftcast season because um, Jordan Spieth would have been one of my first two picks. Um, I love the comp to Augusta National, and it's easy to see why, as Spence alluded to, the, the wide-open fairways. Both of them are in the top five on the PGA Tour for fairways found. And then the fact that you get these kind of undulating lies where the ball's either going to be above or below your feet, that those approach shots. And we know what Jordan Spieth does around Augusta, right? Like, I mean, the the guy loves the place. And so it's no surprise that he's won this tournament here before. And um, yeah, really, really like the play. As a result of that, I'm going to have to pivot a bit. I wouldn't have taken this player. Um, I would have taken Spieth instead, but I've got to go at this point and now take um, Ludwig um, Obeer in the first round um, instead. I would have taken Jordan Spieth, as I said, but both him and um, Ludwig are underpriced. Um, Jordan Spieth has moved in from opening up at 25s down to 21s into um, 18s now. And um, Ludwig as well, he's priced at 14s at the moment in the market and you're getting him for 8700 So um, he's one of the the top on the betting card and, and in DFS, he's definitely underpriced for me. So I'll have to go there. And then um, with my next pick, I'll go with Sanjay M at 8100 another that I think is undervalued. Great record around this course. I think that a lot of people will avoid him off the basis of he had a, a pretty average 23 for the most part. But if you go and look what he did in the full season, he did actually play pretty well. Outside of the Tour Championship, he didn't finish worse than 14th in five tournaments. So he did start to bring it together again at the tail end of last season. And um, he's a he's a kind of all-rounder golfer who can um, come out and play really well on a course that he loves. Yeah, I, I like both things. I, I like the draft approach you're taking. Both of you, it seems like with a little bit more balanced, right? I think both guys you take up more upside than their price tag. And so I think each, I wouldn't be shocked if either one of those guys finished in the top 10. You get both of them in the 8K range allows you to have a lot of flexibility on how you do the rest of your build here. So I like it. How about you, Spence? Where are you on Ludwig and where are you on Sungjae? In on both of them, I, I think we've seen with Ober at this point of what he can possess from an upside perspective. There's going to be some ownership around him. I think that's completely fine. And Sungjae feels like he's in the midst of having a strong bat, bounce back candidacy here in 2024. We kind of saw that towards the end of the year, but I uh, would not be shocked if Sungjae takes down something very substantial this season. Yeah, and I'll add, I mean, anyone who follows golf, if you're watching our show, I'm sure you've been reading online, the hype around Ludwig for this season is real. I mean, people really have him high. They're they really looking at a breakout campaign. I think part of that is due to the fact that 
you know, there is a little, you know, there's a lot of guys that you don't have to compete against Kepka and Cam Smith and Rom. And so um, I think it gives him some opportunities to really shine. And we saw him, he performed really well the second half of last year. If that carries over into this year, the sky's limit. But then there's also the concern. If you remember our show this time last year, we were saying a lot of similar things about Tom Kim. And that didn't really pan out. You know, these guys, you know, you know what you're getting from Rory. Even when he has a bad month or two, you know Rory is Rory. With Ludwig, he's still very unproven. We certainly know the upsides there. Um, but we'll see how that pans out this season. All right, Spence, with your second pick, who are you looking at? So I'm going to go with a player that my model always loves at Augusta National. And every single year, he disappoints. Maybe it's the quick greens. Maybe it has something to do with that more. That's what I'm going to hope for here, that you give him a Bermuda surface that he's historically been great on. Uh, inside the top five of my model on a slower texture to begin with. Uh, inside the top five for me, an expected strokes gain total for this course. I'm going to take Terrell Hatton at 9,200. I think it continues this leverage build that I'm going to try to make from top to bottom. I just I find it interesting because you likely wouldn't have taken, I would assume, either of those guys had you gotten Scheffler. So your feels like your draft is getting flipped on its head, taking a different route. I think both. I think Hatton's a good play. Um, certainly plenty of upside. Again, a good value on the price. Seems like it should be a course fit. David, will you be playing Terrell Hatton at all this week? Yeah, Hatton's interesting. He's definitely, um, in terms of you've got that huge disproportionate number of shots under 100 yards, Hatton's pretty sharp with his wedges, so I do really like that. Uh, the question comes down to, to can he make the putts, and he's got some good skills around the green, so I don't mind it at all. And, I mean, if you look at his, his profile, he's not necessarily the most accurate off the, the tee, but um, that won't be an issue here this week. So I don't mind the pain. I think he'd be potentially a bit contrarian at, at 9,200 compared to some other names around him. I love it. Audience, you are on the clock. Um, hard to tell if some of these names you're putting in here were nominations or not, but we will be counting any nominations that come in, um, starting with, I will say, Sahith, and moving forward will be a count. So the next one will be your double. While we wait for um, the audience votes to come in, I will pass it to you, David. Is there one stat this week strokes gained off the tee approach that you're overly waiting or looking for in the profile of golfers as you build lineups i mean certainly compared to my typical models putting um i i generally exclude putting for the most part so i'm definitely got a big uptick on that um approach under 100 was was really key and the the difficulty with this right is a lot of these golfers haven't played since august and so there is some guesswork that comes into it. And I think that it's worth it's worth this week more than most, just taking some punts on guys like Sanjay M, for example, who we don't know really where his game's at, but we don't really know how anyone's game's at because we haven't seen him play for three months. So I think it's kind of a week to actually lean into a bit of volatility would be my advice to, to players this week. That makes sense. I, I get it. And, that's, and then when, when that advice comes out to me, what that means is, Play the value, right? Play the leverage. Play the guys that you feel like are better golfers in their price tag because they tend to rise in those situations. Uh, the pick is in with Eric Cole. It's a pick I love. The only thing that you know would only pump the brakes on Cole that you would have is what's the ownership going to look like because that might get pretty high. But Eric Cole to me seems to be underpriced and what should be a good spot for him. 
He, if he continues to be priced this way, he'll be one of my favorite value plays all year. How about you, Spence? Are you on Cole this week? Yes. I, I mean, I do think that it, anybody who starts with a Xander Cole build, I would be very cognizant of what contest I was playing in. And then if it's depending on the contest, I would potentially try to deviate and get a little bit more contrarian in other routes with it. But I, I think when we look at what Cole has done, it's quite astonishing outside the top 100 in both driving distance and driving accuracy. Regardless of those two stats, he's continuing to churn out top five results four top fours in his last five tournaments. I think books, if you look at the way that he's priced against other players, they are expecting some sort of a regression to take place in 2024. Maybe that's the case. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen here though, at a venue where off the tee, or at least his inability off the tee gets mitigated a little bit. So I really like Eric Cole. I, I This is a golfer for me that if you put him in the $8,000 range, Probably would have been happier because it would have meant that the ownership would have been lower, but he's going to be in my player pool this week. All right. And, and David, how about you? Yes or no on Cole? Probably no, because I, I think that the steam behind Eric Cole has just gotten way too much. And it, I mean, it's kind of similar to like Ludwig at the moment is the fifth favorite on betting markets to win a major this year after the big four of Ram Scheffler. Hovland and McElroy and like that's just outrageous like that he shouldn't be that price and it's kind of similar with Eric Cole of like everyone's really behind him but he's never really had to play in a tournament with this like caliber of player before and I agree with what Spencer said like it definitely this is a course that that driver is not that important and that's definitely the weakest part of Eric Cole's game like he's not overly long and he's not overly accurate either um, which is like a dreadful combination for most tournament so he would seem like a pretty good place to deploy him I just have some concerns in terms of the caliber of the field versus what he's been playing in previously I mean it makes sense it tends to be better to hit him long and straight than short and all over the place so fair enough all right I am surprised that I am able to take Patrick Cantley with my second pick I didn't think he'd get back to me um I am pleased he did was not the type of draft I was looking for. I thought I'd be a little bit more balanced from here, but um, there's plenty of value guys that I like this week that I think I can build the rest of my team around. I'm happy to get Cantley, who's for sure in my top four this week, maybe three. So getting two of my top couple guys in my lineup um, is really what I wanted to do. And, and I can build the rest from here with them. I'm going to go ahead and take with my next pick. Uh, I want to take Russell Henley. Um, at 7,700, you know, he ended the year really strong. And that was kind of going back to what I was asking you before. I think it's easier to answer the question for Sheffler than it's for a guy like Henley. But how much are you, you know, he was hot end of last year. That's been a while now. I don't think that hotness necessarily carries over. But I do believe Russell Henley is just a better overall player than the 7,700 price tag. And so uh, I'm not necessarily running the hot streak, but I think he's a good course fit. It's a wedge course. He's one of the strong wedge players in the field. He's going to be very accurate. I think it's just a good fit and price for the roster that already started off with Scheffler and Cantley. Um, how about you, Spence? You playing Henley or Cantley at all this week? I tend to think when we're looking at the top of the board, probably the number one option. I mean, like, forget ownership, forget anything. I, I like Scheffler first. Cantley's kind of where I want to go for my next pick. For it, So I think you've arguably taken the two players that I like the best in this tournament off the board. I don't know if I'm going to get to Russell Henley. I, I I have been a massive proponent of him over the past couple months that I think he's in for, 
for a really, really big 2024. I just don't know if this is the tournament that I necessarily expect it from him. Next week at the Sony Open might be the event if he does flop this week that I might jump back in on, on Henley because that feels like the prototypical event that I would like to gain my exposure to him. But um, I mean, with that being said, I, I do think you have the 1A, the 1B, and you know Henley's probably a top 25 option right now. Boom. There you have it. I appreciate that. Audience, don't forget you are on the clock. Get your nominations in for your next pick now. You need two to lock it in as we wait for those nominations to come in. David, what are your thoughts on both Patrick Cantley and Russell Henley this week? Um, I would have taken Henley on the turnaround if he'd come back to me. So I, I do really like him this week. Um, again, he just looks like obviously underpriced in DFS at 7700 I mean, he's priced in markets like between 35 to 40s to win the tournament. Um, and then the guys around him, you know, like Seb Strakas and Tagalas are kind of in the like 65 to 80s range. So, I mean, quite significantly, Henley's a lot shorter in markets than the others there. And um, yeah, look, I mean, he, he hasn't got the driving distance, but like it's one of these courses where all the balls funnel into the same place and Russell Henley's one of the best in the world with a wedge in his hand. So really, really like that play. Um, Patrick Cantlay as well. I mean, obviously he's a, a leader in, in birdie or better percentages um, pretty much every season. And so that's going to be a real benefit for him around here. I just, again, kind of concerned about ownership potentially for him. Um, although I'm really, really surprised that one name that we mentioned before the show started in the 9K range hasn't been drafted yet. And when he goes off the board, I'll, we'll talk about it. But I'm, I'm extremely surprised that there's one guy who hasn't been talked about or taken. All right. Well, a little teaser. We're excited for that. Audience haven't had a pick doubled yet. Looks like uh, Cameron da- <laughs> J Day, uh, but Cameron Davis is out there. Morikawa. Um, audience has eighty one hundred average per pick. So you have enough money pretty much to go anywhere on the board with this pick. Um, we are going to need that one more nomination in as we wait for this last pick. David, is there any clue you want to give us on this player that you're that you're teasing for later? Maybe a price range. Um, he's he's over eighty five hundred, and he's probably going to be the most owned this week. Wow. Okay. So that that will not, that will probably get us an answer pretty quickly. But the pick is in. Good job, audience. Cam Davis, which I find to be a really interesting pick. We've said this on our show a few times. Cam Davis, even though he's a very powerful hitter tends to play better on these courses where, um, well, you know, the power will help him as well. If he can keep it straight, the power will be helpful. But this is also this wedge course, which he, which he excels at. I think this could be also a good court fit for him. He's also been playing great golf. Um, and I think Cam Davis might be better than that price tag that was put on him for this tournament. I think that price is going to go up as the year goes on. Spence, are you on Cam Davis at all this week? I think you're correct that we're not going to be living in the days where Cameron Davis is going to be a low $7,000 golfer for much longer. I think he's one of the true, and we saw it at the end of last year, but one of the true breakout candidates where his ceiling, if he can put together certain portions of his game with the way that he plays, I I think he has potential to compete in major championships. That's how much I like him. So uh, I, I just think it's an underpricing. The ownership is certainly going to be high, but um, if you look at him, you look at Cole, I think there's a couple other guys in this range that maybe will carry less ownership than those two. But I, I thought there were a few very noticeable mispricings and uh, Davis would have been one of them. 
Yeah, I, I'm definitely with you on that. How about you, David? Are you playing Cam Davis at all this week? Uh, I, I think I'll make my pull in like a larger GPP. I wouldn't be playing them in any cash lineups, but in those larger contests where it's a bit more more risk reward and you've got to get a little bit different, I think Cam Davis is a good option. We know what he can do, obviously, um, with the putter particularly, and he can get pretty hot and, and string together some birdies and eagles. So I think in terms of scoring um, potential, he's uh, he's up there. He's played the Masters once and he made the card. He didn't do anything spectacular, but um, he's at least had that experience there and um and he's played here once before as well and did okay so don't mind that pick whatsoever there you have it all right spence you're on the clock with your third pick got eight k per pick left who are you looking at here i mean this is probably one of those spots where the player that david was talking about like I, my build is really good to put somebody like that in just because we're looking at a very popular player and i already have the contrarian options around him not going to do that though. Um, to me, there's a golfer in the nine thousands that I really like this week. And I think sometimes he gets negatively affected by this lack of win equity that people believe that he has. And, and he gets pushed down the board for that reason, whether that be for DFS contests or, or in the betting market, maybe even more so. But I think for DFS here, when you are looking at a player in the lower nine thousands, I'm going to take Tommy Fleetwood enters the week having posted eight top 25 finishes during the last nine starts. I know that we've had this little hiatus in the break here to where you could say what those results are really worth could be nothing at this point, but five of those finishes landed inside the top 10 number one player in my model for when I combined scrambling around the green and three putt combination, uh, third place for me in expected strokes gain total for the track at some point, And I don't know when it's going to be at some point Fleetwood has to get himself across the finish line. He's too close too frequently. And regardless if it doesn't happen this week, I still think he's marginally too cheap. And for DFS contests, when you can get a sub 10% on golfer that people don't think can win, I don't necessarily need that win from him. Like if he can give me that top 10 finish, I'm creating leverage if he's able to do that. So I like Tommy Fleetwood a lot for this event. Yeah, Fleetwood's one of those first names that comes to mind when you think of can he carry that 2023 momentum into 2024? Because he was spectacular last year. I would say better than the average for Tommy Fleetwood. Um, is he a better golfer now, or is he going to revert to the norm? I tend to think he's better. I, I like Tommy Fleetwood pick here. I think he's going to be in the mix again this year. How about you, David? Are you playing Fleetwood at all? Um, probably not, but he, I guess he is going to be contrarian given he's within that range of uh, – the golfer that I'm surprised has not been taken off the board yet. Well, David, you got two picks here. Are we going to find out who that is? I'm not going to. I'm not going to take him. I'm not going to draft really? him because wow. I, one, I want to keep the surprise, and right. two, I, I just, I think that he will be the uh, the highest owned, and I don't know with, um, with Aberg and him there. I think probably particularly Aberg attracting some ownership that I want to take him. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Tony Finau at 8400. Um, he's played here four times, finished seventh uh, last time out and ninth. Played really well at the Hero World Challenge. Albany's typically been a very good predictor for this tournament here and uh, finished fourth there um, on his last outing. And I think he's getting a really bad rap, rap for um, last year, but we know that Finau's uh, in the last two years won five golf tournaments and he gets a really hard time for, for not getting across the line. But um, he's in a lot better form, I'd say, than people are giving him credit for. Um, given the the end of last season in the Bahamas and 
Um, obviously, the the Masters as well, if we're talking about like concourses, he's had three top tens of the Masters and five tries. So he's got a, a liking for Augusta National as well. So I think he's a little bit sneaky potentially at 8,400. And then um, on the wraparound, um, again, going to be a little bit chalky, but um, I do like Sahith Tagala this week at 7,600. He's already demonstrated at courses like um, Phoenix that he can get get scoring and get pretty low. And he's a, he's a very good putter. Over the last six months, he was 13th um, on the PGA Tour for strokes game putting. So he's going to make birdies. He's going to be super aggressive. Real boom or bust candidate. He's not going to make my, like my cash game lineup. But I think in this GPP kind of format, he's the kind of golfer who can go out and like be a breaker. I like it. Now, Spence, I feel like, please correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you are not a female believer. Uh, female was going to be my next pick. Oh, wow. Okay. So there you have it. So female aligned there. Um, what about Thigala? Were you, were you looking at him at all this week as well? Thigala is an interesting case study for a week like this because his one major problem is his inaccuracy off the tee. We keep talking about how potentially that is going to get at least mitigate it to the extent to where you're going to be able to spray the ball a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to get to the goal. Like my model had a bunch of things about him that it didn't like. I don't want to look too much into his 33rd place finish here last year, but I think he at times can be so erratic off the tee that even if you take him into a tournament like this, that he may be the one that ends up missing. I think ownership's going to go to him. So I'm probably out on the but uh, I definitely misplayed my hand by taking a contrarian Tommy Fleetwood and not going with Tony Finau first. Like, I, I wish I had the ability to change that order. Wow. Well, as you know, Spence has some scrambling ahead of him. Audience, start thinking about your nominations and picks. You're going up after Spence. You'll probably have a couple seconds as Spence has got to replace his pick as he was going to take Finau. Spence, who are you thinking now to replace Finau in this fourth pick? I mean, I guess we've reached the point here with this build that it, it, it will just be – so ultra contrarian that like I, I cannot imagine that this would be duped if there were a 10 million people in a contest. So I'm going to go with the golfer that I think has been negatively affected a little bit because of the course history that he's demonstrated here. And I'm not so sure I necessarily believe that the results are as bad as may meet the eye with it. So I'm talking about a golfer who last year came in 32nd place, 2022 came in 19th place. Seven of the eight rounds that he's played, he has been under par. One of the rounds last year, he shot a 75 that shot him up the leaderboard. He had a round in 2022 that kind of stopped him from moving up when he was making a run at it. So I'm going to take Sam Burns at 8,200. Um, a lot that my model likes about him. I, I think that when you're looking at projected ownership, strong argument to be made that anybody over $8,000 He's probably going to be the lowest owned of the group, but value inside of my model in the $8,000 range, uh, I don't think very many people seem to believe that. Also, the number one player for me inside of my sheet when I combine total driving and weighted putting for Kapalua. So the proximity number's a problem. I, I understand that with this pick. That's going to be something that he's going to have to overcome, but... I think that when you have such an elite skill set and we are trying to find win equity, it's a 59-person event. I still want to shoot for upside more so than usual on a lot of these players. I think Burns is one of those golfers that if he pops, he pops for a top 10. And if he doesn't, we're looking at something in the bottom 10. But I, that's a risk that I'm willing to take here at the price and the ownership. 
Yeah, Burns to me feels like the opposite of one of those guys. Like you know, wasn't great last year, but is way better of a profile than how he was playing recently. It feels like people might be sleeping on Burns. Um, Burns is the type of guy that like I'd be targeting in season longs because certainly has a lot of upside. Can turn it around and have a really great year. So I like the Burns pick. Let's see if he comes out hot to start the year with a good showing this week. Audience, timely, great speed. The pick is in. I'm shocked. It took this long for this guy to get taken. He could have been the first overall pick in the draft, but the audience is getting him with their fourth pick. That's Victor Hovland, who is playing great. I mean, Vic is – I assume this is probably the guy David was referencing in terms of ownership. I don't know that for sure, David. Were you talking about Vic? I was not. No. Okay. I mean, listen, again, Vic's another one. Not a lot we need to say of why Victor Hovland's a good pick. He's one of the best golfers in the world. He's certainly a top three, four player in this tournament, probably number two when all is said is done. Um, you got a great value pick there. With Davis and Cole, you can afford this. So I don't think you guys have to stretch too far to make this work. I really like the way this audience team is coming together. Uh, what say you, David? Do you like the pick here with Hoblin? Um, I was really, really hoping that Luke List was going to get in there before Victor Hoblin because that would have been, been <laughs> quite fun. Um, yeah, he... My only comment would be he's he's never really done well here. Like he's never he's never really played well, and he's had a few few chances to do so. So I just wonder if he gains a bit of steam, and like he may be uh, like I may fade both Scheffler and Hovland in a lot of my teams this week. I mean, it makes sense. It certainly is a good way to be different, especially because keep in mind ownership should be higher than normal because it's a no cut event. 59-man field, not as many golfers. So it's a good way to get different, you know, you can still get guys with plenty of upside without playing the top couple guys and, and fading that ownership. So I think there's, there's it's kind of like my answer to that is there's no wrong way to build a lineup, right? It's like stealing the, the punchline from Reese's. I think all all routes work, especially here this week. Um, all right, I got two here. I'm diving into my value bag to make this lineup work. Um, my first pick, I'm going to take JT Poston, 7,200. Um, he's really been playing well. I think the wedge course should really suit him. I think he has plenty of upside at 7,200 guys. Like, you know, a lot of these guys have already been drafted on the show. I'm thinking a few, a few more are going to come up. There's probably five to 10 guys in the seven K range. that I like a lot that allow me to basically get who I want at the top. And then you can fill out the rest of your lineup with those guys and, be, and feel happy and confident about it. And JT Poston is certainly one of them. Um, in the same vein, in my opinion, as Cameron Davis, I think Poston is a guy that is going to be having a higher price tag um, throughout the rest of 2024 in these tournaments. What say you, David? Are you playing JT Poston this week? Um, I think he's an interesting player. I think a lot of people, a lot of people see the scorecard, right? And they're like, oh, 7,600 yard, past 73, like definitely not JT Poston week. So I think that is a place where you can potentially get different because it is, as I've mentioned, um, you know, there's lots of downhill holes where the ball just kind of all funnels to the same spot. And JT Poston, like between 50 to 100 yards, is one of the best on the PGA Tour. Um, John Deere Classic, for example, like really low scoring birdie fest event, which turns into a putting contest. And he's gone out and won that. So um, I don't mind the play whatsoever. Right. And I'm going to follow him up here with my second pick. I'm going to take the Todd father, Brandon Todd. You know, he's he's got a good history here. Uh, I think it's a good course fit for him. He's also, you know, as of recently, the ball striking has been really good for him. You know, he's got 
since the summertime. He's got three top tens, um, a few top twenties. He's really just been consistently playing good as of recent. So I think we're seeing the best of Todd in the in the recent and and going to a course he liked with a good history. So under seven K, I think you're getting a really great value. What say you on Spence? What say you on Todd Spence? So my next pick, and you have managed Joel to pretty much snipe me um, all turns here, but I was going to take JT Poston. When JT Poston was off the board, I was going to take Brendan Todd. There you go. So I, the thing with Todd, and I don't know if this is a good or a bad answer. It's intriguing. Paul Tesori is going to be on his bag. Cameron Young split. I, I do think that Tesori will help uh, Brendan Todd here. I think Poston's very intriguing, though. Like, to me, uh, maybe even beyond any name that's not Eric Cole or Cameron Davis in the $7,000 range, I think Poston might be the best value if you're looking in that lower $7,000 range if you remove those two. So uh, a lot of value that you were able to add to a lineup that started very top-heavy with Scheffler and Cantley, which, you know, goes to show there's a lot of different ways that you can build lineups if you do want to go stars at the top and then you look at mine, you can go a little bit more consistent. So I think that's the fun of this tournament. Uh, a lot of different ways that you can do this, but uh, like both of those two picks, Joel. I love it. Well, now you got me feeling good. Audience, you're back on the clock. You got to get two in. Um, we will start it with list. List counts. We need the second for it to be your official pick. While we wait to get that official pick in, David, what say you? Are you playing Poston or Todd this week? Yeah, I mean, before Spence mentioned, I was I was going to point out the Portisori um, factor in there and him moving away from Cam Young and then choosing to go on Brennan Todd because they kind of lit up golf Twitter for a little bit of a lot of people kind of shocked that this high-class caddy was going to, to Brennan Todd's bag. And, um, yeah, I, th I think that he's a really interesting player as a result. Like we've seen previously how what an impact getting a really talented caddy like Paul Tesori has had on a player like almost immediately. So um, I think he's a, an interesting player at 6,900 for sure. There you have it. All right, audience, the pick is in. Benny on at 6,800. The price is certainly right. Uh, David, are you playing Benny on this week? I'm probably out on Benny on this week. I don't know if he, for the price that you're, you're getting, I think there's others in the range that I'd rather go to. Um, I think that there's, you know, yeah, Todd, for example, but uh, also like maybe a couple other names, which I won't mention just yet because, Joel, you might end up taking them. That I would go to rather than uh, Benio. Fair enough. You know, I don't dislike the pick. He's not in my player pool. I, I don't. I wasn't playing Benio, but I can get behind it. You know, he's been playing a lot. He can certainly get hot. And what I like most about Benio, he's guaranteed four days. So if he has one really bad day, he can still get you a couple low-scoring days and make up for it. So um, I like that Benny on pick. I can get behind it for you guys, even though he wasn't in my player pool. Spence, you got two picks left, 7,400 per pick average. Who are you targeting with your fifth pick? This lineup, and, and I think this is a testament of one, good selections getting made, and two, this being a 59-person tournament, that it's – when one or two names get taken from you, it's really hard to try to shift and find the correct route to go. Like there's only so many players I want to play. And eventually you get stuck into a portion where 
there are guys that either like if it goes completely wrong that you have to enter into your lineup that maybe you didn't plan on doing. So um, for me, when I look at this, there's a lot of players here at the bottom, maybe two in particular that are the most boomer bust candidates that I can find, but that actually possess upside in my sheet. So I'll, I'll name both of them just for, I don't know if this affects the draft, but if you believe Seamus power can turn it back around, there are some upside numbers of why my model likes him. That's the player I'm not going to take. The one I am going to go with is going to be Patrick Rogers. We look at what he's done recently. Um, nothing is going to jump off the page, but five of six made cuts uh, to end last year. I'm hoping that might be something to where he can uh, transcend a little bit of a talent to where I think if you look at, and I, I made this comparison quite a bit, even on this show, like Wyndham Clark and Patrick Rogers were the same golfer to me for many years until Wyndham Clark learned how to hit an iron. You have the distance off the tee, you have the putting ability that they both had, and then all of a sudden Wyndham Clark became a good iron player and he wins a major. I think there's players like Patrick Rogers. I think there's players like Bo Hostler, who's not here this week. I think those are guys with skill sets that if they can get a little bit better in an area, specifically the iron play for those two than they were, maybe they have a little bit more upside, but you know, this is kind of just to open back up salary on a golfer that I don't think anybody will play that. I kind of believe has top 25, 30 potential in this tournament. And if he can work into a top 10, then all of a sudden that makes this completely different. Well, he's certainly finding value there. Interesting strategy going with that pick first. David, were you looking at Patrick Rogers at all this week? I, w- I was not, but I don't mind the play necessarily. For a guy down that low, when you're looking to kind of deep dive or, or, or punt a guy, um, you know, I think Rogers has some upside where you can certainly see it. Um, but again, I go back to you're getting four days. So it takes one of those big days, even say three or four, that could be enough to get the points across for you. So it's okay to do a dive like this for one of these in one of these no-cut events for sure. David, you got two here. How are you closing out this roster? Yeah, I mean, like, and, and to your point, Patrick Rogers, right? Like, I mean, all it takes is he goes and gets two eagles and a bunch of birdies, and it could change your tournament for him. So, um, I think that's a that's a really savvy point. Um, one of the names is going to be who Spencer just just spoke about, which was uh, Wyndham Clark. Um, I'll go up and take him at 9,600. He's one of the best on the PGA Tour of the last 12 months from under 100 yards, and we know what he can do with the putter. Um, I would have potentially gone a slightly different route, and there's a, there's one very clear contrarian play, which I might talk about at the, the end of the show if he doesn't get taken. Um, and then to combine it, I'll take um, Justin Rose at 7,600. Again, I think he's going to get missed a little bit, um, but his record around Augusta National particularly is really appealing. He's got an excellent, excellent record there. Again, he's very, very sharp with his wedges. Uh, the driver distance isn't so much of a factor here as it is at other courses. And he played well at Albany, uh, finished eighth in the Bahamas um, most recently. So I like that comp that he gets there. Um, previous record here, played here once and finished 12th. So um, not the worst um, course history in his one look here. So I think, again, just a little bit contrary compared to some of the other names around him, um, like the Tagalas and Striker, who I think are going to attract a little bit of heat. And I think Rose perhaps goes missed a little bit. Yeah, no, I like Justin Rose. I think we saw last year a bit of a late career resurgence from Rose. Rose had a few really good tournaments. He's playing, looks like some improved golf. Um, plenty of upside there with, with that last pick. Overall, I like your team. Very balanced. Uh, plenty of upside on your roster. I like the route you took 
with drafting that lineup. Spence, are you on Justin Rose at all this week, and who are you going with with your last pick? As of right now, I have not eliminated Rose from my player pool. I, I think he's an interesting name that gets you away from some of those popular choices that David was talking about. And I think that's what makes him most intriguing to me, at least like I think if directly comparing, I would rather have him than if we're looking at like specifically, let's just say players over 15%, pretty much every single one. And I mean, those are names we can, we've talked about, or we'll, I'm sure I'll talk about in articles, but I, I think Rose is, is an interesting candidate. There you have it. All right. Well, you got 8,700 left for your last pick. Um, how are you rounding out this squad? It's the opening event of the year. I kind of want to take Jason Day. My model did really like him this week. Um, I feel like that is way too much volatility for the way that I've built this lineup. So I'm going to take a golfer that if you look at what he's done here historically, four top six finishes the four times that he's played it. I'll take Ricky Fowler to wrap up this build. Yeah, we listen, we thought it looked like Ricky was fully back last year. Ricky was playing some great golf. He's hard to pull off on the end. Um, it's a question here for me is, do you believe Ricky is fully back? Was it that just a blip in the pan what we saw at stages last year? That's to be determined, but I like Ricky. I'm a believer, so I like the pick. I think he has some upside here this week. What say you, David? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the course record speaks for itself, right? Like, I mean, he's played it um, four times. He's finished sixth, fifth, fourth, and fifth. So, um, yeah, he's he's been very, very successful around here. And um, he doesn't seem to be getting, like, all that much steam. I guess some of that's probably off the back of the last time we saw him at the Hero World Challenge. He was pretty dreadful. Um, but he obviously loves the course. And, um, you know, Hawaii seems to suit him well. So the the course history, I think, is, is really, really appealing. And if you can get, like, a buy low, based on the fact that everyone's just taking his last start where he finished 17th out of 20 players, um, you might have an opportunity for some some unexpected leverage there. Yep, there, there you have it. Audience, you are on the clock here with your last pick. Um, we have a few nominations already. We are going to need two, so one to get second before the pick's official. While we wait on that final pick from the audience, We'll start with you, David. Give us a recap. First, let's start with Spencer's team. What do you, how do you think Spencer did in this draft? Uh, definitely, like, an interesting contrarian build. I don't think, like, Spencer's attracted, like, any ownership whatsoever. So, like, his overall ownership might be, like, 30%, um, <laughs> like, total. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's a really interesting contrarian play. Um, I, I thought actually when Spence was talking about Fleetwood that he was going to take Fenel, so I was like very pleasantly surprised when Tony um, made its way around the turn, and I think he's uh, regretting that now. All right, all right. Well, see it. You got the final pick in for team audience. It's going to be Keegan Bradley. Um, you know, Keegan's a guy that to me is very hit or miss. He has weeks where he just plays great, strikes it well, gets you a top finish. And then the off weeks, he kind of really misses. But, again, no-cut event. Guarantee those four days under 8K. I think there's there's upside here with this Keegan pick. Spence, what's that you? Are you playing Keegan at all this week? I'm probably going to be out. Like, 
I seem to be on every single contrarian play that there is. So it's shocking that I wouldn't be on Keegan Bradley when he's sub 5% after getting snubbed from the Ryder Cup and probably having a lot to play for this week. But I don't know. I mean, he hasn't been great out here if you look at what he's done recently. I think there are certain specifics of this course that may just not suit his game. One of the big things that we've seen a heightened increase from him is with the putter. I don't know if I necessarily love him on these slow Bermuda greens though. So if he loses some of that putting acumen that we've seen, I don't know. There's, there's concerns in multiple areas of my model that kind of push him a little bit lower. So probably out based off of that answer. I certainly understand where the weighted proximity numbers are going to look good, but I think he's a little, I guess boomer bust is fine when he's sub 5%, but I kind of tend to think that the bust factor is going to come into play. Fair enough. Um, all right. With my last pick here, I'm going to round this roster out with Denny McCarthy. Uh, he loves to put on these Bermuda greens. He can certainly get high with the flat stick. He's been playing well, ball striking good. You're not going to get a ton of distance with Denny, but as we, we spent less on the beginning of the show, you can survive that. You might prefer a bomber here, but you can survive it on this course. So I like Denny's, you know, potential to get hot with that flash. I can have a top 10 showing at 7,300. I can make that value work with my top heavy roster. So I like my button. I think what was really unique about the draft tonight is all of our teams kind of took a different approach. I think, you know, you can see Spencer and David went more balanced. Audience and I are more stars and scrubs. I think all the teams on this show look really strong. I think every team is a team that I could see playing. So We'll see how this plays out, but there's plenty of different routes you can take to how you attack the slate this week. And the most important factor, if you're watching the show, you probably play enough to know this, but just as a reminder, it's what type of tournament you play, right? Don't play all the chalk in the biggest GPP for the biggest prize. Right? That's not going to be the best strategy. Whereas you can be more chalky in these smaller head-to-head type tournaments, small tournaments, because that won't be as big of a factor. So keep that in mind as you're building your lineups, what type of tournament you're entering them into. We're not done yet. Take a look at these lineups. Give us a like. Follow us on Twitter. Let us know which lineup you think is going to win. We'll come back. We'll crown the winner. We will see who is on the right side at the end of the week. But before we let you go, we do have our first round leader plays to start the year off, right? Come back, though, and check in with us because in Discord this week, we will be handing out Weather updates. So if there's any weather changes you want to keep in mind before the tournament starts, you will want to get them before putting your lineups in. We also be giving out tournament winners. So if you get into Discord, you can find our full tournament plays uh, before the tournament starts on Thursday. For tonight, with the first round leaders, without further ado, Spence, why don't you get yourself? Who are you looking at in the first round leader market? So I have one play. It's going to be Scotty Scheffler at 12 to 1. I also want to say one thing before I give the floor over to David here. This is a bold statement to make. We're the second day into 2024. We've been, I've been on the show with you, Joel, for, I mean, a couple years now. And I, the show was going before me. I think the most shocking thing on this show that's ever been done is that Colin Morikawa, and I know that's who David was alluding to, was not taken in this draft. I, he may be 40% owned in particular contests. When this is all said and done, I, I am shocked that nobody selected him. Um, not that it's a good or a bad thing that he went undrafted. That's not even the point of this. It's just, I would have thought somebody would have taken a golfer that's 40% owned in a 59 man field when you have 24 players going off. I mean, 40 is just outrageous. 
to me in this. I like I agree. Holland, you know, at you know, ten percent or fifteen, I would one hundred percent at that level of ownership. I just it just is not even playable to me. David, was that indeed the player? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like Colin Murkow is ninety one hundred. Like he's what like. 10th maybe worse than 10th in terms of pricing on the board he's the third favorite for the golf tournament he's played this five times he's finished seventh seventh fifth sorry four times seventh seventh fifth and runner-up last year i i'm per- like I, he's the most tipped this week if you guys follow golf tips checker he's the most tipped he's definitely going to be the highest owned his course record's ridiculous he loves hawaii he's got the connection here around um, being as his kind of like home state um and yeah, just absolutely baffled that he did not go off the board as the third favorite. And then he's priced at 9,100 in DFS. It, it may be the ownership question. Like that may be the the answer. I, I'm personally not actually that thrilled about Colin this week. Last year's defeat to Ram, like he threw up this this three, four shot lead to John Ram. And it was like a spectacular capitulation where he just like absolutely chunked it um, coming down the stretch. And and the fact that there's potentially some wind like Friday afternoon, Saturday, that that raises some concerns for me about Morikawa. So that's why I'm out. But yeah, like Spence, just absolutely baffled that we didn't even get to him um, this week at all. That was definitely the name I was talking about. I mean, it's certainly interesting. Right? It goes to show you something that we're all, there's something we're all kind of agreed on with, with that play. So, all right, David, over the first round leader market, who are you looking at? Yeah, so just a couple this week, given the, the fact it's a, a pretty volatile market to start with, but obviously a smaller field as well. So I like Tagalo. You can find him at 60s um, over at Unibet, which I think is a good number. I like Sip Striker at 50s as well. Again, that's over at Unibet. Um, that's a very sharp number for just two golfers that I know can absolutely go out and spike it. Um, and then Jordan Spieth, you can get him. Um, let me just pull up his number. Jordan Spieth, you can get him at 25s over at DraftKings and Fanjul. And then if you have access to Willem Hill, you can get him at 28s, which is obviously a great number for him. Um, Jordan Jordan Spieth could easily come out and shoot a, a seven under, I feel, with um, the way that he can putt. So quite like that number there. I love that. I, I think this is a good week for first-round leader play. Smaller field. Um, you still have some good numbers here. So I think it's exciting. But I got three for us today. My first one's Eric Cole at 35-1. to one. You know, even with as well as he's playing, we've seen him pop on first round. He usually comes out hot. I think he likes the first day. Um, I also like guy I drafted, Russell Henley. Again, I think there's a really good fit for him. He's another guy that I think can come out and have a one hot really day. And I'm really looking at the, the number. I'm going to make a first round leader, but I want to get the really strong odds at 35 to one. Um, I really like Henley. My last one, it's another guy that I drafted as well. Uh, Denny McCarthy, my last pick at 45 to one. As you know, with that hot putter, if he gets one of those days, we've seen him come out and have a hot round one where he can lead the field. So 45 to one, a pretty big number there for this first round leader market. Anyone else before we wrap up tonight that wasn't mentioned on the show at all? that you guys wanted to make sure their name was put out there before we wrap up the evening. I can I can talk through when I went Wyndham Clark at the end and I said that there was kind of a controversial, weird 
play that I don't mind too much. Like if you really want to get different, Brian Harmon at 9,300 is going to have like 0% ownership this week. And I actually don't mind him this week at all. I mean, he's an extremely hot putter. We saw that he finished the way he finished off the Open Championship when he just like putted the lights out. Um, I don't mind the Brian Harmon play because he is clearly overpriced. And as a result, everyone's going to be going to Colin Morikawa, who we just spoke about. Um, and, you know, if Brian Harmon's like 2 3% owned, like that wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. And I think that he's um, he's got some potential actually just to like kind of break the slate. I like Brian Harmon. I think, I, yeah, I, I think I saw someone, I think YC had mentioned him in the chat. I think someone else may have mentioned him as well. So I think that's a good call there. Harrison Lynch was a guy I thought about as well. I didn't get to him, but it was always someone I, I had in mind as one I might take late. Another sneaky play. I can even see someone playing English in the um, first-round leader market, which could be a good play there as well. Um, see ya. If you have first-round leader plays for the people, the lock button, drop them in the chat. You can drop them in Twitter or, of course, just get into our Discord. You join the Win Daily. You get into the Discord. These are plays we are giving out, and they get better as we get close to the week. As we get weather updates heading Wednesday night, we are able to change our picks and kind of let you know where the weather edge might lie, whether that's tournament long, whether that's your first-round leader, whether it's just deep DFS plays. We're going to be giving you our sneaky plays, guys that are low-owned. Just join. See all the information. You get the show here either way, and you get all the added benefits by signing up and following us in Discord as well. Happy New Year, everyone. We are back. Another exciting season of golf. I've missed golf. Right? Football has been fun. We had our, we got our football fix in. It's time to get back into the PGA. It's time to get back into the golf world where we are profitable and have a very successful year. Any parting words from you, David? Yeah, just uh, draw people's attention to in the description. There's a special promo at the moment if you do want to get access to all of our premium articles. Last season was um, an unbelievable season for the golf tips for me. Um, we had 15 winners on the season. We had a return of investment of 40% on the PGA Tour and 33% um, overall, including DP World Tour um, tips in profit last season. Um, over 925 units of profit in, in one year. So if you're using a 10 dollar unit sizing you made over nine grand um with our tips last last year uh the deal that we have at the moment is 240 dollars for 2024 uh that is our best deal guaranteed for the whole season it will never be cheaper than that if it does become cheaper than that we'll happily refund you the difference so we're guaranteeing that is our best price usually usually that's 450 dollars. so you're saving over 200 dollars on that promo right now in the description you get access to all of our premium content and um, get to chat to us on Discord and ask any questions that you have, which is uh, a very underrated part of uh, that premium membership is that one-on-one -on -one coaching aspect. So hopefully we see lots of people joining the Wind Daily family and um, taking advantage of that special promo, which will not last long. I promise you that. Sign up now. You can't Literally, you can't beat the deal because it will match it if you can. So now's the time. Um, and you get a full year. A full year, as you said. If you, start, if you followed us all year, you followed Tailed All the Bets, You'd be profiting close to ten thousand dollars. So get involved, get sign up now. Tell us, Spence. Any last words? I would like to just mention one player before we get out of here that has not been at all talked about. I did find, and there's been some steam that has picked up recently, but he's a fringe top twenty owned player right now. But 
I think Matthew Fitzpatrick is interesting at 9,500. I know some people like him. Some people do not this week, but um, there are specific metrics. If we look at Bermuda courses and we look at the weighted strokes gain total in my model and what happens to him, like, I know that the theory around him is, is that the more challenging a course gets, the more upside. I understand that narrative of it. And that makes a ton of sense, but if people are not going to want to play him for that reason, and he is grading inside the top 10 of my model, I do think you can create leverage with an option like him, even if he doesn't end up winning this contest, if you can get a top 10 out of him. So I thought Fitzpatrick was a really interesting name that should at least be mentioned. And I'm, I am going to play him, but I think he should be considered. It's a good point. Fitzpatrick, one of the main guys that I'm on the, like, who are we getting? Right. Cause he had those injuries last year. A fully healthy Fitzpatrick from the form we saw in 2022 would be an amazing play, right? If you get that guy, this won't be a price we'll be seeing very often. So um, I think I'm glad you mentioned him. I'm glad he was brought up on the show. Again, Happy New Year. Good luck this week. Give us a follow. Let us know what team you think is going to win. We will crown a winner at the end of the week. And, of course, 